where the streets have no name. Wow, thanks. That is amazing stuff right there. Um, I appreciate Steve's explanation of the song and, and to get you to understand a little bit about the background of that and the fact that, that it's interesting, isn't it, uh, as you heard from Steve, that, that it was inspired by, in, in, in this particular area of Belfast, where people can tell not only, not only what you do, but what class you come from, basically, and, and um, how much money you have by where you live on the street. Which is kind of interesting, really, in a sense. And I don't know how many of you, those of you who live in Short Hills will know this, because when I first moved here, it was kind of interesting, because I'm not saying they do that in Short Hills, although I'm sure some do, but uh, people would say, you know, where do you live in Short Hills? And you'd say, well, I live in this section. And I was amazed that in, in this fairly small community, suburb of New York City, that people would know what street you live on and kind of what the houses ranged in price in that particular area. So, um, so for those of you who don't know, I'm in the ghetto of Short Hills, just so you'll know, okay? But uh, we're grateful. We, we love where we live, and we had a great community and so forth. But it, it, it's, so, it's so true in so many places, not just here and not just in Belfast, that, that people do make judgments about us by where we live, whether it be the town or whether it be the street or whether it be the area of the country or, or something else. And what I really want to try to communicate from this particular truth that I think is just wrapped up all in this particular song is that what maybe Bono was asking for musically and what I think we would be asking for listening to that song is a place where there are no injustices, a place where there are no wrongs that need to be righted, a place where people have value simply because they are God's children and not for any other reason. That's what, that's what we're looking for here. That's why I believe that a song, that song like that appeals to so many of us. Is that's really what we would like. That's really what we would want. A kingdom that is governed by God and His righteousness that's class-free and judgment-free and, and all the other things that can happen. And which is kind of interesting because it's exactly what Jesus prayed for. I want to I show you, uh, we call this the Lord's Prayer. And uh, just look at it, just kind of follow along with this from Matthew chapter 6. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Here it is. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's, that's what he said. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One Bible, the message puts it this way. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best as above so below. Here's the quest to be part of bringing about God's kingdom here on earth. That's the quest. Um, how does one do that? You know, how does one do that? How does, what does it mean to bring God's kingdom here to earth? What does that mean? And, 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 and what, is that, what is that all about when you think about that? How can one experience um, the kingdom of God on earth? And uh, I guess my point, you know, one of the things I used to think about when I heard and I heard and often recited this prayer in church, um, is, you know, what does that mean? You know, kingdom of God on earth, and, and, and what's that going to be like? And, and, and then I would think about, you know, what does that mean in heaven? And I used to have this view that, you know, heaven was just going to be 
just like a, a big, long church service. A big, long church service without cell phones, but a big, long church service. Just, just kidding. Um, um, we have fines for that, by the way. Just see the money box, um, offering box on the way out. Um, but I, I used to think about that. What's that going to be like? Well, I, and I'm serious. As, as a young man, I remember thinking, I guess heaven's going to be like one big, long church service. And then I would think, God, I don't know if I really want to go or not. You know? <laughs> I mean, could you imagine some of our church service lasting for eternity? You say, well, sometimes no. no. Um, um, and that's not... That's really not a fair assessment. Obviously, that was from a, from a child, and some of us think that. So here's what I want to do. I want to just spend my time, uh, just really a few moments, to talk about what's so appealing about God's kingdom. What, what's so appealing about it that I want to be a part of, if I can, bringing it to earth? What's so appealing about that? And I'm going I'm to give you just real simple three Thoughts here to kind of think about that. I call this the kingdom of God, illustrated, expanded, and, and lived out, basically. And I'm going to give you some thoughts about it. The first thought really is a very simple thought. It's one that we've all had at different times in our lives. And it's simply this, life will finally be more than fair. How many times have you thought to yourself, life's not fair? How many times have you had to explain to your kids repeatedly, why life isn't fair and why something happened that shouldn't have happened and you try to explain why it did and so forth. So here, here's what we're doing on this. Let me, by the way, let me just, I, I kind of, I did a little list here and, you know, I don't know, some of these are funny, some of them aren't, and maybe none of them are, but I just kinda, I composed a little list, if life were fair. And you can fill in the blank because there's some that we could probably go around the, uh, the auditorium in here and, and, and get some better ones than these, but it's just, you know, some things to... Kind of spur some thought. If life were fair, things that taste good wouldn't be so fattening. Ever think about that? Wouldn't it be cool if we have this new thing in, in Milburn, and some of you have it in Chatham, this new thing, uh, Cold Stone Creamery. Some of you have had them and had them other places. And I, I call it the harlot's house because they just kind of, they just keep calling you in. Hey, come in, come in, come in. And I was with Charlene and I, we were driving. I said, let's just drive by. She says, you can drive by once. That's all. And we drove. I said, let's drive by again. She says, we're not driving by again, honey. And I said, oh, you know. And wouldn't it be great, though, if you could say, you know what? Um, let's go down and just tank up on Cold Stone Creamery. It's not, we're not going to have any effect whatsoever on us. Wouldn't that be great? That's not true, though. Life, we're fair. We could do that. Um, maybe not. Life, if life were fair... As we get wiser, we would get better looking. Just think about that. Um, <laughs> here's another one along. You can see where I'm thinking. Uh, if life were fair, good looks would be, rever- would be reserved for the intelligent. Just, just, just that's, a, that's an unkind thing to say. Um, there are very intelligent people who are also good looking. I just want you to know that. Some of you, most of you are here, actually, that, that are like that. Um, if life were fair, people who work the hardest would make the most. You ever think about that? If life were fair, this is one of my little things. If life were fair, CEOs, this is big in the news today, these days. Uh, if life were fair, CEOs who cook the books would have to be a personal servant to their investors. Wouldn't that be great? Instead of making Evers go to jail for the rest of his life, he goes to each one of the investors for like a week, and he's got to be their personal servant. Boy, wouldn't that give some CEOs some second thoughts? Like, oh, man, 
I'm going to have to be their personal servant. That would be, that would be true retribution or whatever you want to call it. Um, if life were fair, these aren't quite as funny. If life were fair, teachers would make as much or more than entertainers. So entertainers, I'm sorry, I just had to throw that in for you. But, but, but uh, yeah. But isn't it interesting, though, that we pay, pay the Tom Cruises of the world what we pay them and we have people, people teaching our children uh, values and, 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 and the things that are very important and they have a hard time getting by. Just a, you know, if life's not fair. You know, I've said that. If life were fair, the dishonest would never prosper. If life were fair, integrity would always win out. And, of course, it doesn't in this life always win out. Just some things to think about. You can fill in the blank. Many of us can think through some things in our own lives that we've thought about at times where it just wasn't fair. Well, I got good news for you. When God's kingdom is brought to earth, life will always be more than fair. I want to show you a passage from the Bible. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 21. This is good stuff here. I'm the only God there is. The only God who does things right or fair and knows how to help. Life will be more than fair. One of the ways I can bring God's kingdom kingdom to earth, I can't do anything about a whole bunch of other things, but I can do something about me and those who I have influence with. In my sphere of influence, in my neighborhood, in my work, I can be fair. I can have integrity. And that's part of what I think Jesus is praying. May your, king, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help me at least to live like that, God. Help me to have those values. Life will be more than fair. That's, and streets with names won't mean... I'm not going to discriminate against people because of, of where they live or how they look or some other kind of external type of thing. That's the first thought I want you to think of. What's so appealing about God's kingdom... Life will finally be more than fair. Number two, people will care about each other in word and in deed. People will care about each other in word and in deed. You know, that's one of the things. Have you ever had somebody say, you know, I really love you, and I'm going to do this, and, 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 you, and, you've all, and I've said this before to, some, to, to individuals. Have you ever thought, you know, with the way you're acting toward me, maybe you should love me a little less? Because uh, it sure doesn't feel like love. And sometimes we do things, and especially Christian-y type of people often do things, oh, I love you, brother, you know. God bless you, boom, here you go. Get ready for it. I'm going to, that's code word for I'm about ready to screw you over the coals, baby. You know, um, business or whatever it happens to be. So many times you see that among people who, who call themselves people of faith and so forth. Um, people, will, people will care about each other, not just in word, but indeed, there's a passage in the Bible that, that we know of as the love chapter. I did a wedding uh, Friday night, and uh, we were talking about some different readings and, and to do. And, and, and even a person who doesn't, may not necessarily be a person of faith and may not go to church very much, a lot of people know about the love chapter. Chapter 1 Corinthians, chapter, they may not know where it is, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And, and in some cases, people, you know, they get a little rehashed and they say, yeah, you know, can you do something besides the love chapter? And uh, which certainly you can. There are a lot of things in the Bible you can do. But, but I said, well, sure, I'll do. But let me, I said, let me just read this to you. And I read it to them in this translation, this paraphrase, the message. And they were like, oh, you got to read that. You got to read that at the wedding. And, um, and this is what it was. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love cares more for others than for self. 
Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Doesn't have a swelled head. Doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others or their mate. Doesn't revel when others grovel. Love takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps on going to the end. Always looks for the best. Isn't that good? Did you ever talk to a... I've had the opportunity on, on a few occasions. I started to say, did you ever talk to a mother about a son who or a child who's gotten into trouble. And I've had the opportunity on a number of occasions. It's just an interesting thing um, to talk to some different, particularly mothers, but sometimes dads too. Mothers seem to have a different, a little more compassion in this area. But I've had the opportunity to talk to some mothers a time or two whose, whose, whose sons were in jail for various reasons. And it's always interesting to me to hear them talk about it. Well, you know, it, it, it's either he, he really didn't do this, he really didn't do this, or you've you got to understand the circumstances, and they begin explaining, and I, you, know, you, you politely listen and everything. And, here's, and you say, well, that's, that's this or that's that, maybe that's bad or whatever. But here's the good thing about it. It's just great to hear someone who loves someone enough, they're still trying to, still trying to find a way to love them in spite of some very difficult circumstances. That's, that's believing what is best. You shouldn't be blind, and you shouldn't be an enabler, nor am I suggesting that. But it's just interesting to see what love really does for a person. You do look for the best. You really do. Whether it be your kids or your husband or wife or, or someone else that you love, you know, it's, it's, good, it's good to see that, it's good to hear that. We, we have to be careful with it, certainly. But that's what he's talking about in 1 Corinthians 13. Always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. And the question then that you need to ask yourself, I need to think of ways that I can show authentic love. I need to think of actions and maybe even phone calls. I have a friend right now, pastor friend, going through some very, very difficult times in his church. And I, and I try to think... What can I do? I can't just drop things and go help him. I'd like to if I could. And, of course, me being who I am, I think I could go solve the problem. I, I probably couldn't, but you, you, you think you could. I can't do that. Even if, even if I could, I can't do that just because of the logistics and circumstances. But so I think to myself, what can I do? Drop an email every now and then. Drop a phone call every now and then. Hey, man, how you doing? I want you to know I'm praying for you. You can do that with folks, whether it be that or whether it be some other way. Think of ways that you can be authentic in showing love for people. That's what I think the song is saying when it says, Boy, I love to see streets with no name where people love, not just with words, but with how they act, with the things that they do, to do something about it. That's pretty appealing. What's so appealing about God's kingdom? Life will finally be fair. Love will not just be in word, it will be in deed. Third thing, and this is important, this is huge. You'll be judged by your heart. You'll be judged by your heart. You've been misjudged. You had the best of intentions and, and you wanted to do what's right and, you, and your motives were right for the most part, as much as they can be as a human. And people, people just ripped you up and tore you apart because of something that you did and it was totally misunderstood. Haven't we all experienced that at times? Sometimes in our family, sometimes with friends, sometimes in our business. Well, when we have this, 
this, this streets with no name theme concept in our life. It won't be appearance. It won't be performance. It won't be about our, our goodness. It, it, will, it will be about the heart. Because that's what's most important. The heart. That's what God says is the most important. Let me show you that from the Bible because this is huge. 1 Samuel chapter 16, he's talking about David. God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I love that verse. That verse has got kind of a double double meaning, really, in a sense, because in one side of that is don't be surprised if you're misjudged because of how you look or, or because of how you act or because of something that you have done outwardly that may not necessarily be representative of what's on, what's on the inside. Don't be, don't be surprised by that because God tells us right there in the Bible, the Bible tells us that, that, that man does look on the outward appearance. He does. That's his natural tendency because he can't see the heart. But but but, just, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, when I say that, there's an exhortation for you and me, and, and my exhortation is try not to make external judgments. I say that, and yet that's very difficult for us to do as humans because all we have to look at oftentimes is how that person looks or what that person is doing, or in some cases not doing. It's hard not it's hard not to do that. So what the meaning of the song, I think, that it's getting at is the streets with no name and a, and a kingdom, or as Jesus said, a kingdom, bring, you know, kingdom, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He's talking about the idea that, that we'll be able to be judged for what our hearts really are, which is a huge, huge deal, as opposed to some of the things that we have done. And, and you know, one of, the, one of the great unfair things about life if you want to put it that way. One of the great injustices of life is so many times people are defined by some of the things that they have done when they've made mistakes. And people are defined sometimes by, by certain appearances as opposed to what's really on the inside. And that's just the way the world is. And you can think of different people, people of, of, of notoriety and so forth, who have, right now there's a big deal going on in baseball, if you've been following that, and it's about the pitcher from the Texas Rangers who, who kind of lost it and, and attacked a couple of cameramen. And uh, I don't know if you saw the video of it. The video of it was just very disturbing to me, where he just kind of went over and just kind of pushed him down and took their cameras and pushed him down. It was a big deal. Major League Baseball is going to deciding whether to, uh, I think they've suspended him for so many days, and that's under repeat. And so forth, but the thing, and I watched a sports center one night or one morning about it, and it was, and they were talking. His friends were talking, and they were saying this. I sure hope that his life and his career, because apparently he's a pretty stand-up guy, from what his friends say. Of course, I don't know what else they would say, but but his friends are saying he's a stand-up guy and he's a great man of integrity and all this other. And 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 I remember one of his friends that they interviewed on the sports center saying, it would be too bad for this pitcher to be defined by this one act. And I, I agree. I don't. I have no judge. I don't know what the, the circumstances, but I agree with that statement. I agree with that statement about a lot of things in life. So many times, people are judged by a particular act or a particular period of life. You know, maybe they had, maybe they had a real hard time with with drugs or alcohol, and, and maybe they've long put that past them. But there are some who still hold that up to them. Maybe they had some indiscretion that everybody found out about and, and it's long past, but everybody still holds that up. That happens in the world that we live. It's too bad, it's wrong, but it happens. And when we talk about God's kingdom coming to earth, that won't happen. 
because we'll be able to make judgments based on the heart. Now, obviously, that's something that, that ultimately, ultimately, only God can do. But if we love folks, we've already seen in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to believe what's best until the evidence is clear. And then we, you know, again, that doesn't mean that if you're in business with somebody and, and they've just totally shafted you, that, that you and you forgive them and you, and, you, and you don't want to judge it, that doesn't mean you go back and invest another bazillion dollars with them. That doesn't mean that at all. But it does mean that you give them the benefit of the doubt on a personal level, which is far more important than anything else. What's so appealing about God's kingdom? Life will finally be fair. You'll be judged by your heart. People will love and care, not only in word, but in deed. I want to show you this last thing. What can I do about it? How do I make this happen? How do I make this happen at 71 Stony Lane? That's my house. Put in your address. How do I make this happen at... Put in your address and where you work. How do I make it happen there? Okay, well, got some Bible for you. Actually, some, some, some pretty clear stuff here. Let me show you this. this. Maybe you've heard this before. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Watch this. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. One Bible puts it this way. He's already made it plain how to live and what to do. What God is looking for in men and women is quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. And don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. Be just. Be fair-minded. Just wreak mercy. You know, just have that just be a part of your DNA. And walk with God. And you know, Steve, guys, come on up. They got a song they're going to do. I want you to listen to. Um, ultimately, and I want you to understand this, we're not going to see these kinds of things happen until we go to be with God in heaven. And I want you to think about that. We can do something about making it happen in our sphere of influence today. Ultimately, it's not going to happen on a wide-scale basis until we go to be with Christ. Those of us who are followers of Christ, who have trusted in Him. And this is what this song's about. Let's pray together right now. God, we are grateful that we can talk about some of these things that are just so important. Help us, God, to live it. Help us to not just mentally assent to it, but to live it. To think about it. To help it to be a part of who we are, a part of how we live, a part of how we treat people. Lord, we know we're able to do that only as we, as we trust you to make that happen in our lives. And that comes when in a relationship with you, which is made possible by Jesus, who came and lived and suffered and died and went to the tomb and then rose again to give us eternal life. And as we trust in Christ, God, wherever we are in our, in our own individual journeys of life, as we trust in you, we thank you for what we can see happen because of that. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.